Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Hawaiian Punch! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm just thinking, you'll hear the story in very sh a short amount of time, but I'm just thinking about how disgustingly sticky that entire situation had to be. Yeah, I've, I haven't had Hawaiian Punch in probably more than 20 years. Mm -hmm. But now that I've shouted about it for roughly an hour and a half, I feel like I'm going to have to go try it. Here's the thing. I have zero good memories of Hawaiian Punch. You said Hawaiian Punch, and the two first things that popped into my head is sticky and stained red. Yeah, yeah. It's like that, that Kool-Aid mouth. Mm -hmm. Kind of mm -hmm. where you just got the red ring around your lips. Yeah, yeah, it's because children don't know how to fucking drink anything. They just put a cup <laughs> up to their face and they go, and it drips down their fucking chest and they ruin their goddamn shirt. And then their moms yell at them. And it's like, hey, if you didn't want me to ruin a shirt, you shouldn't have given me a vibrant red drink. Anyway, we've got a great episode for you this week. <laughs> Jeez. I'm sorry. Uh, and and how did that make you through. feel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I will be talking about this with Dr. My Therapist, whose name I just thought to not reveal. Ooh, slick moves, Mr. Torres. Yeah, good good call. Please don't. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, great episode for you. You know everything else without any... Oh, wait, actually, let's do this up top real quick. We have got a trigger warning for you. Yeah, some animals get treated real bad in this. I'm I'm pretty sure you saw this coming, but like yeah. if that's gonna really bother you, maybe don't listen to it because yeah, you know, it's, you love the animals and that's valid and cool. There are a couple moments in here where I uh I don't think I made a noise, but Paige will tell you there's a lot of facial reaction from this episode. Yeah. Um it's 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 not like prevalent throughout, but the things that we do talk about and are partially alleged are like, it's fucked. All right. So yeah, trigger warning for that. Just wanted to give everyone a heads up. So everyone's, uh, you know, clear before heading in without any further ado, let's hop into the show. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always, these, These are, are our opinions. opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Tiger. Trigger warnings about animal abuse. Oh no. Hey Paige. Yeah. I know that it's a trigger warning, but is there any way we can fest it festive it up a bit and call it a a tiger a warning? A tigger warning? A tigger warning. Paige? A tigger warning. It's a tigger warning. For abuse of animals. Um, oh. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is definitely like more animal abuse than I think we've ever talked about on the show. Now, granted, it is largely talked about on a macro scale, but there's some dark shit that we'll get into. Um, so just a heads up if that's going to really bother you. 
uh, then maybe give this one a little skippity skip or listen to it and then just skippity skip through those parts. Yeah. So. Yeah. Also, I mean, like, it's going to upset you, even if that trigger warning does. <laughs> it's going to make you mad. Yeah. 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 Tiger As just it a big, should. Tiger just a big cat. Cat didn't yeah. ask for that. Yeah. Tigger's a wonderful thing, and we shouldn't be treating them this way. <laughs> oh, man. That's, that fucked me up as a kid, by the way, because I thought that animals really could use their tails to jump higher. Oh, I mean, some can because, like, kangaroos balance on their tails when they punch people. Whoa, I didn't know that. That's and, awesome. And to kick people, yeah. Wow, I didn't know they, they could fucking tripod it. I do know they fight people because I watch compilations of fucking... Kangaroos it's one just, of my favorite things. I love watching kangaroos fight people. I love watching a kangaroo fuck someone up. My favorite video is this guy who's, uh, I think he's like paragliding in and he sees a kangaroo and he goes, Oh, what's up, Joey? How you doing? And as soon as it gets close enough to the ground, the kangaroo just goes, bah! And fucking hits him with the left I hook. just, I love it because they like, like Henry Cavill in Mission Impossible 6 in that bathroom fight where he like cocks his fist. That's what kangaroos are at all the time. They're yeah. just like constantly ready to like feed you their hands. It's amazing. I feel like kangaroos are one of the very few animals I've ever seen with a real six pack. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I've, seen- I've seen those pictures though where they kind of like stretch back and you're like, Who's that, though? Yeah, yeah, damn. His name is Joey, you said. Oh, really? Real fucking swole. Like, mm. I see you don't miss leg day, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so can I call you Joseph? Or <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's it's kangaroos and pit bulls. Those are the two buffest oh. animals I've ever seen. Yes, kangaroos and pit bulls are the buffest animals I've ever seen. And I think it's because kangaroos have just, like, tons of bottles of pre-workout in their pouch and that's what they're hiding from us <laughs> yeah it's because they're all trying to get uh kangaroo jacked <laughs> i'm so sorry Paige. let's continue <laughs> oh we're gonna need this levity Ugh. um so let's dive into our sources really quick and then we'll jump into the episode so we're doing a little bit of time travel today because we are actually using tiger king season one (gasps) as one of our sources today as well as tiger king the doc antle story as well uh the bustle.com article on uh where's doc antle now the people.com article on the doc antle trailer for the new netflix documentary we have PETA.org and their article on doc antle's animal abuse we have the radiotimes.com article on doc antle the winchester star uh, dot com, which is Winchester Star is a local newspaper article on Doc Antle, as well as his actual site for the Myrtle Beach Safari, a.k.a. T-I-G-E-R-S, Tigers. Uh, it's their site. Sure. I used it <laughs> to find out how much it costs to go there. Spoiler, more than Disneyland. Uh, what? Yeah, dude, we're going to get into it. Uh, then we have the Rolling Stone... Uh, article from 2015 that doc antle willingly submitted to and was interviewed for that's going to be a primary source for our episode today we are going to kind of veer off from the documentary a little bit and cover some pieces that the, the documentary didn't cover but rolling stone did and we have nashvillescene.com which is kind of a compilation site of nashville's newspapers specifically the tennessean ah uh. 
And um, there's actually a few different articles that we're pulling from there around Doc Antle's time in trying to establish a zoo in Tennessee. We're going to jump right into that as soon as the episode starts. That's our other really primary source for this episode. I thought that you were saying our source was the Nashville scene, like the Nashville comedy scene. (laughs) Thank you, husband. Thanks, husband. What a handsome man. Built like a kangaroo. <laughs> I should have waited till you were done drinking. I'm sorry. <laughs> Some of that came out my nose. Um, now I know what water smells like. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. It smells like Guantanamo. Oh, no. Uh, I just waterboarded myself by laughing. So, as you may recall, from the previous episodes, first episode, he was in Yogaville. That's where he kind of meets a lot of the people that we're going to encounter in the second episode, where he's at the Buckingham Zoo. And following the escape of his 15 to 17, she was there for a little while, wife, your old wife, Rada, he is investigated for underage, really having a relationship with an underage teenage girl. That investigation leads him to flee the Buckingham Zoo leaving animals behind and crossing state lines to avoid warrants. Paige, I yes. I am not making fun of you here in the slightest, but you had a small slip of the tongue there. And for a second, I thought you said his 15th or 17th wife. And I was really <laughs> fucked up about Fif- it. 15 to 17 year old wives. Oh my God. There is more than one. I mean, technically uh, like because he would, as, as he was abusing these girls, he would be like, let's have a spiritual wedding ceremony. Oh my God. Um, Here's the thing. I feel like if you get married 17 times, stop looking for love. Just give up. Please. <laughs> You're banned from love. You're no longer allowed in love. You get 86 from the heart. <laughs> I mean, that just given how long weddings and whatnot take, I mean, like, you'd have to try to get married, like, really try to get yeah. married that many times. Oh, yeah. I'm and sure depending, people have done it, though. Depending on where you are, too, because the divorce process. Ooh, babe. Yeah, because a divorce takes, at like, a minimum of a year. Yeah, and that's if you're on the same page as each other, which I feel like somebody... Yeah, that's who- if you're not fighting, but if you've been divorced 17 times, I feel yeah. like some fighting's going on. I don't know. You probably get, like, a frequent flyer card or like a i don't know something terrible <laughs> for your 10th one you get a free taco yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. anyway no just after his after it kind of came out that there were underage girls and mm-hmm. he was about to get investigated he runs away here's the other thing too 15 to 17 wives still bad and 15 and 17 year old wife still bad you know what All i mean like both bad I wasn't Both of trying. Those things are bad. I wasn't trying to say seventeen wives is worse than statutory rape, but I mean, if it was Doc well, Antle, it'd probably be well, fifteen, seventeen-year-old. Yeah, no, then it's Warren Jeffs. So, like, uh, you know, okay, it's yeah, like it's bad any way you slice it. Yeah, I'll shut up now. It's all bad. Let's get into it. <laughs> Let's get into it. So, he flees, actually leaving some of his animals behind. Where does he go? I'm happy you asked. I can definitely tell you he goes to Nashville, Tennessee. Ugh. 
and this is in 1989. Mm -hmm. um, so he actually tries to build a whole new zoo in Nashville at a place called, he was going to call it the Nashville Zoological Park. And the Tennessean, their local newspaper, uh, actually covers this process from 1989 to 1990. They have also covered co-host of Horror Virgin and Romancing the Pod, Mikey Randolph's Metropolitan Police uh, mental health program like a ton this year. Mm -hmm. So like they're a real newspaper. That's why I was like, when I found it, I was like, sweet. Wow. Um, so Mikey's yeah. a bad company. Yeah. Yeah. Mikey has been covered by the same newspaper that was investigating Doc Antle. Uh, so <laughs> they cover it for about a year and then Doc Antle just fucking disappeared. And we'll talk about that and where he ends up later. But the stories start in about December of 1989. And they reported that they were going to open a new zoo a few months later. Now, at the time, there was actually another group of people that had been trying to build a zoo for years. And they hated Doc Antle and the other guy he was working with, a guy named Mike Stewart. So much like Joe, Joe Exotic and then the subsequent owners of Joe's Park versus Carol Baskin... A fight ensues in Nashville. Got Doc Antle on one side, and on the other side, you have Connie Cloak, who at the time was the executive director of the Zoological Society of Middle Tennessee. Now, a little info. Connie, uh, although I don't believe she's still the executive director, but the Zoological Society of Middle Tennessee does eventually open a Nashville zoo. And like, a real zoo with a conservation project and like an animal rescue, <laughs> like an actual zoo, not the kind of zoo that we are used to in this story. And she criticized Doc Antle's plans for the zoo, for his zoo, as, quote, second rate chain link menagerie. And. <laughs> yes. Sorry, wait, one more time. Second-rate chain-link menagerie. Now, if you remember Joe Exotic's zoo from the documentary and also Doc Antle's early zoo, their enclosures are largely just chain-link fences, mm -hmm. which is in part why when they were working on the movie they were making in the last episode, tigers would escape, uh, enclosures would fall, because it's just chain-link. It's not the proper way to treat or enclose these animals. Yeah, chain-link fences are what they use to make sure that middle schoolers don't ditch and go get Starbucks, and we still got through. This is yeah. a goddamn tiger, Doc. Exactly, exactly. Uh, now, Doc's business partner, Mike Stewart, was quoted as responding with, she's just jealous, <laughs> which I think is really... Like, she's just jealous we have tigers and she doesn't. It's like, but she also has tigers. Anyway. Okay. Um, now, unfortunately, um, she suffered some, some tragedy in her life and did end up uh, in an institution for a time. And Doc Antle and his partner are like, she was so mad, we drove her crazy. And it's like... Oh, my God. You're stupid. Um, there is, anyway. There is a... Um... A while back, we covered a group uh, called the Day Life Army. I don't know if you remember yes. these psychopaths. 
Yes. Um, so we covered the Daylife Army, and then we continued to do the podcast for a while. And then, as some of you may or may not know, myself and former host Andrea Gazetta broke up. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the Daylife Army started posting about how their their group was so crazy that it drove us to break up with each other. Oh, jeez. That I was were... not the reason, by the way. No, no. Andrea and I were talking about it yesterday, uh, by the way. We were talking about that specific thing because apparently one of the dudes from it, the like Daylife Jesus or whatever the fuck his name did is. Jesus. Did Jesus. That's what it was. Yeah. Did Jesus keeps inviting her to Instagram live videos or whatever. Uh, did Jesus has also contacted other people in our Facebook group. And I, I private messaged them to be like, do not engage with this person. Super yeah. fun. Super fun and super sick and also very tight. Yeah. I uh I asked Andrea yesterday if I could blame De Jesus for the breakup. <laughs> because it does make everything better and also more interesting if people are like, So why'd you break up? And we could just be like, A cult. Yeah. Or you could just be like De Jesus and they're like, I'm sorry, Jesus? Like one of you got really religious and you're like, No, 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 De Jesus. No, De Jesus. And they'll be like, Bless you? I don't understand. That, De- <laughs> <laughs> that is what it sounds like. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, sorry. Look, Christ. Sorry. To Christ. Anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. I, I love when this happens, when somebody's like, this horrible thing happened. Let's try to capitalize on it. Yeah. Well, and she's very much his Carol Baskin. Yeah. Where he's just like, she's terrible. And like, she's going through her own shit. She doesn't need his nonsense. Um, but what she did say is that before that happened, at one point, Doc Antle and his business partner came to her office unannounced. They just like showed up one day and were like, what if we joined forces? <laughs> and they talked to her a little bit about their plans for the zoo and how they met. And this is where she found out that they met at a place called Cape Gia. And I'm definitely going to pronounce this wrong. I'm so sorry. Girardeau. Uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Okay. Now, apparently, what happens in Cape Girardeau Don't you is, say it. Uh, I can hate, hate Girardeau. No, Girardeau. oh, I thought you were going to say, apparently what happens in Cape Girardeau stays in Cape Girardeau. <laughs> it kind of does, because what happens there is an exotic animal auction. Oh, that's okay. I, no, yes. it's not okay. The opposite is what it's I It's the meant. opposite of Okay. And what she said is, quote, no self-respecting zoo person would ever admit that they'd been to that animal auction, let alone met there. And that's where they're going to get a bunch of their animals, <laughs> um, which brings me to some stats about current laws of owning exotic animals. So four states have no laws on keeping dangerous wild animals as pets. Uh, do you want to guess what those states are? <sighs> Um, okay, let's see. I'm gonna say they're all in the south. I'm gonna say that they're Louisiana. Nope. Ah, damn it. Okay, that's one out. I'm gonna say Texas. Nope. God damn it. I'm gonna say, okay, all right, new plan, new strategy. Uh, randomly pick Arizona. No. Son of a bitch. Okay, uh, <laughs> last guess, last guess, Florida. Last guess. No, surprisingly, no. Go fuck yourself, Florida. Florida is a little interesting in which a lot of exotic pets come through Florida and they have 
they do have laws on keeping them, but their laws are more guidelines for keeping them. And they have a lot of provisions for reptiles. Uh, but the states that have no laws. I just love Florida's law is probably like, if you're going to own a tiger, you must at all times keep one kilo of cocaine on you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, make sure you feed your gator four bags of heroin a day. Uh, all right. So the states with no laws right mm. now are Alabama. Fuck me. That was okay. Okay. I almost guessed it third. And then I questioned myself. Nevada. Now, Nevada's an oh. interesting one. And I think it's because of Las Vegas. Mm hmm. And the amount of shows that feature animal performers in Las Vegas. North Carolina. Okay, if the next one isn't South Carolina, North Carolina has some splaining to do. And Wisconsin. Oh. Are the four. Very, a very strange group. Now, six states have some guidelines and some laws, but don't ban or regulate keeping big cats as pets. And that is Alabama, Nevada, North Carolina, uh, Wisconsin, but then also Delaware and Oklahoma. If you'll remember, Oklahoma is where uh, Joe Exotic Zoo was. Now, prior to 2005, both Ohio and Missouri would have been on this list as well. And South Carolina has some laws on regulating the ownership of big cats, but if you meet those laws you can own them which is why doc antle has his enclosure in myrtle beach so that brings us to march of 1990 so doc antle had started doing showings and taking photos with cubs around nashville uh, most notably at the great lakes of the south outdoor show at the nashville convention center and everyone loved it everyone was very excited to take pictures with the cubs and he ends up on the front page of the Tennessean because everyone's like super excited about it. But only a week later, reporters started digging into it and they found a report that Doc Antle had tried to hide allegations that a tiger had mauled a visitor to the Buckingham Zoo. There's not a lot of information about this out there, Uh there's not reports necessarily like easily accessible. And part of that could be because it was a long time ago, but also it could be that they paid them off. We don't really know. Um, but because of that, they start to question the plans for his zoo. Now I have alluded to in earlier episodes of this series that doc Antle has lied about some shit. And because this is the part of the story where we've already covered the parts of his life that he tends to lie about, Let's go over his versions of these events because this is what he's telling all these newspapers and everything at the time, including Rolling Stone much later. So he said to Rolling Stone that when most kids were heading off to college, he made arrangements through his family business. Remember that his family is a produce distributor uh, to go to college where he earned his quote doctor nickname by studying medical training to serve rural populations. He then says that he returned to the U.S. to practice herbal medicine and yoga. And that's why he began to go to Yogaville because he was a practicing alternative medicine 
person at Yogaville, which again, no one else has corroborated that. Um, he then claims that he was a lecturer guru at Exxon, and that's how he got the commercial booking. <laughs> no one else cor- corroborates that. What at are all. talking about? I'm dead fucking serious. And here's the thing. We know that he booked that commercial because he had tigers. Like, we know that. But that had been Exxon's slogan, like the put a tiger in your tank thing, was their slogan since the 60s. We corroborated that because we have commercials from back then. So the idea that, like, he becomes some lecturer guru and kind of shapes their view of that ad campaign is total bullshit. Complete bullshit. Just, and you can absolutely prove it wrong. <laughs> I just, this is this is fucking crazy. <laughs> oh, it gets crazier. Are you ready? Yeah, but uh, he said what did, what did he say his job title was at Exxon? Uh that he was a lecturer guru. A lecturer guru. Do you think that do you think a company whose entire business model is about destroying the goddamn planet so that you can take your fucking car to a, I don't know, another place that's also going to destroy the planet gives a shit about the human spirit? Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Here's what I will say. I think this lie is a little before its time. Because if you told me today that Google hires a guru to give lectures on their campus about like balance and work life, you know, like self care or whatever. I'd a hundred percent believe you. Yeah. I I think in the eighties, maybe not mind you also remember in the early 1980s, he's married to his wife already living with Yogaville. Like we know when he gets to Yogaville, he, we have a ton of people that corroborate him being there. Also, he's about to tell another lie that, invalidates this one okay. so like it's bullshit it's all bullshit lay it on um, the page so if you are in myrtle beach and you happen to go on his tour at the end of the tour he rides in on his elephant bubbles now he's had his elephant bubbles since the early 80s we absolutely know this because bubbles is on video as an adult elephant mm-hmm. in the mid 80s at yogaville so we know that he's had bubbles since the early 80s so he says that he traveled to south africa in 1984 a time when we know he was other places <laughs> and he says that he rescued bubbles as a baby elephant after ivory poacher slaughtered both of her parents now Many baby elephants do get rescued that way. That's not crazy. What's crazy is that he did it himself in South Africa. And then according to him, he drove Bubbles home from the airport in his pickup truck with her trunk flapping out the window as tourists watched. Now, first of all, we know what was happening during his life at this time, but this is also the same time he's claiming to have been in China. So, like, he doesn't even have his own timeline straight. But also, as he tells this story on the tour, he does it while Bubbles sucks up multiple gallons of Hawaiian punch as a trick. Oh, my... No! No! You can't feed animals people food because then they think they're people. I mean, 
I just feel bad for bubbles. Honestly, elephants are social animals. And yeah. Yeah. And plus, they, he probably told them it was wine or something. Probably I don't lied know. to him. I lied feel like I was them. born in the wrong era. I feel like I would have been a king if I had been born somewhere where I could lie without Google existing. Are you fucking kidding me? Well, this is like like when we covered the Symbionese Liberation Army and Bobby was like, if I had been alive in this time, I would have been king. Like, just with my knowledge yeah. and propensity for lying and no one checking anything, like, mm-hmm. holy shit. Well, you gotta, you gotta think, all right? They say that people, they say people were shorter and smaller back in the day, right? Sometimes, yeah. Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm not a, I'm a dummy, but I'm not a complete idiot. I've got a little bit of knowledge and boy, oh boy, can I think up a story. I mean, Scientology doesn't think so, but I think so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But here's the thing. I could go back in time and beat the shit out of L. Ron Hubbard and then do Scientology. If I if I just get if I get a fucking time travel machine page, it is over for these hoes. I will be the king of America of the world, baby. <laughs> oh man, I can take this whole fucking thing by storm. Oh, give me a time travel device. I'm gonna go kick someone's ass, dude. So these <laughs> are the stories that Doc Antle is perpetuating. Uh-huh. That he's like, I was in China where I learned how to do medicine, and then I was super in demand for medicine and got to be a lecturer guru, but also at the same time, I was traveling and got this elephant. It's it's all bonkers. It's all nothing it's not even bait there's not even like a kernel of the truth in there i mean he owns an elephant that's true (laughs) okay you know what i stand corrected there is a kernel of truth in that he does he did at some point get an acquire an elephant (laughs) acquire an elephant um now and and here's the thing Maybe he did acquire it overseas, Mm -hmm. but he's claiming to have spent all this time overseas and all these places when we know where he was. (laughs) Like, we have so many witnesses that are like, this is where he was. And like, yeah, I don't remember him going to like, I remember him taking like a, a trip to China for like a week or two, but like, not like, you know, a whole thing. So, yeah. Oh, whoa. Oh, okay. What? I just want to Google I, if elephants can drink Hawaiian punch. I did not, but I will do that next. <laughs> I Googled how uh, I Googled actually cost of elephant. And uh, I found out that a baby would cost you about a hundred thousand and an adult would cost you 80,000. Uh, and a living elephant is over the course of its lifetime going to cost you over $1.6 million. Yeah. Oh, no, wait, I read that wrong. A living elephant is worth more than $1.6 million. Jesus Christ. I was trying to see if I could get a down payment on an elephant right now. Well, also remember that because he's like the lettuce prince of the, you know, food distribution world, he has money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I think he's just buying these animals, to be honest with you. I fucking hate this guy so much i mean i hated him before this episode but like i just i fucking hate this guy so much i want to go back in time to the 80s and beat him up and then be like and then go back into the 50s and be like hey exxon put it put a put a 
put a uh, put a lion in your tank. Fuck! Ah, oh, damn it! I was so close. And then he also it. has lions, so you know. Ah, shit. We'll go over the the cats and stuff that he has because it's actually really important. But by May of 1990, mm-hmm. uh, literally less than six months after they are announcing in Tennessee that they're like we're building a zoo, uh, by ni- May of 1990 they report that he left the zoo over quote differences of opinion and differences of philosophy and definitely not as their publicist said quote because of a series of incidents at the property um those incidents being one neighbor reported that zoo employees killed her and her father-in-law's dog with a high-powered rifle and then other reports had animals escaping the property, including an African antelope, because they did not have proper enclosures. What? <laughs> yeah. What the f- what the fuck? Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, the newspaper reported that Doc Antle had moved on, and they said, quote, he was reported to be in Knoxville or somewhere in Florida, and I have the answer for you. He is in Florida, Miami to be exact, at this point. Because he had a smaller facility in Miami that performs a big cat show at the Jungle Island Amusement Park. So he's like, you know when you go to like Bush Gardens or Universal Studios or something and they're just like animals of the movies and you like watch animals perform and whatever. So he has a version of that in a park in Florida that he founds at this time and it includes cub petting, or at least used to. It may not now. Um, now, he also has a... He's got his Myrtle Beach Tigers um, experience, we'll call that. Now, and he's still got the one in Florida. And additionally, he has another one in Myrtle Beach in a local mall where you can take pictures with tigers. That's what he's got going right now. He claims, as of 2015, that he breeds approximately 10 to 15 new cubs every season to sustain those operations. I want you to remember that number because I will come back to it because it is impossible. Okay. In 1994, so four years after they've been working in Miami, he gets hired to work on the remake of The Jungle Book. Then he gets hired for Ace Ventura when nature calls and then gets hired for Mighty Joe Young. So he gets a ton of movie movie work right one right after the other. From that, he earned enough money to buy the property that he now operates in Myrtle Beach. And it previously was a multifamily horse ranch. But he saw an opportunity to basically make a destination so that people would like travel to him rather than him having to constantly travel with animals for people to see them. So they create an experience that includes a four-hour tour. By the way, that's the only way to experience it. It's not like you could do a slower tour or just come in and walk through it yourself. No. If you're going, it's a four-hour tour that you can then add pieces onto. It's also completely scripted. Mm -hmm. The man who wrote it, we talked about a little bit in the last episode. He earns all of his royalties off the gift shop. 
instead of being paid for ticket sales. Is the guy who wrote the thing is he the Oscar nomin or Oscar winning uh no. movie maker? This is a different guy, just like a random guy and this is like his only interaction with it. Tight. It's very strange, but anyway, uh the tour's costumed, so they're often dressed in kind of like it's like a mix of like safari ren fair wear, like dance wear. It's very strange. It's a lot of like spandex, sporty bra, bustier, and it's a lot of young, attractive, athletic women. Remember that? We'll get back to it in a sec. The four-hour tour also includes an add-on for photos with cubs. Now, tiger cub photos used to be $5, then they were $20. Now they start at $150 a photo. Now, on top of that, they operate three tours a week at over half the year. And in 2015, Rolling Stone estimated that the park was grossing around $1.3 million annually. I think this is wildly undervalued. Uh, and it doesn't account for the storefront they have at the mall where you can also buy cub photos and their Miami location. So this is like a lot. We're talking about a lot of money, a lot of money, especially once you find out what it costs today. If you wanted to go today uh, to Tigers, T-I-G-E-R-S, it stands for something and I don't care. Um, <laughs> it stands for Tigers. I got Tigers. I have Tigers. Do you want to see Tigers? Got Fuck. Tigers. I have them. Tigers! <laughs> really, I, really, really, dude. I have fucking tigers. Tigers. Stay and play with the tigers. Um, it bills itself as, quote, the greatest hands-on animal experience in the world. Their tours, which again are offered three times a week during the summer, although they do offer private experiences that you can kind of custom build, which are thousands of dollars. Their tours cost $339 per person for four hours. Oh, my four God. Four hours. By the way, if you want to go to Disneyland right now, and I mean right now, it would cost you $76 a day. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, now, granted, that's that's one park, and that is limited to, like, days that, you know, blackout days or whatever. Yeah, and to be fair, Doc Antle has to feed the tigers, but you don't have to feed Disney employees. They run off of sunshine, happiness, and the minimum wages that we're forcing them to work for. Oh, capitalism. <laughs> so that's just to go on the tour. Mm -hmm. Tiger photos started $150, photo, $150 per picture. No personal photos or video are allowed. You're not allowed to bring your phones with you. You're not allowed to bring Apple Watches or anything that can take a photo oh my God. with you. You have to pay them. How much did you say the photo was? 150 per photo. Okay. Doing some quick Googling real quick. Looks like Photoshop is about $29.99. Let's see how much a stock image of a tiger is, because it's probably about $15, bud. Pretty fucking cheap. Yeah, absolutely. Now, granted, I I love cats. 
I, they are one of the animals I vibe with the most. Would I absolutely love to pet a baby tiger? I fully would. Like I am lying if I'm saying that I don't want to do that. But at the same time, it's not good for the babies as we will go over in just a bit. Mm -hmm. But also it's not worth over $500 to me to do that. And I'd have to like listen to Doc Antle for four hours. <laughs> sounds yeah. terrible. All around sounds like a pretty terrible dog shit. Sorry, cat shit experience. <laughs> it's the litter box of experiences. <laughs> That's a lot more expensive than most zoos. And remember when I said that he only breeds like, 10 to 15 tigers mm -hmm. well i don't think that's exactly true but even if he was there's a bit of a problem with those tigers so no mainstream zoo in the united states will take his tigers do you know why is it because i mean if you want a real answer it's probably because the tigers are too cool and they don't want to hang out with these lame bitch ass zoo tigers and uh i don't know i'm willing to bet that you're not supposed to raise a tiger in a fucking cage and it probably fucks with their personality or something well it's definitely that but also the tigers in the myrtle beach uh zoo are not part of any registered breeding program not only that they don't limit breeding between varieties of tiger or even species. They also breed multiple ligers. Wait, whoa, wait, whoa, 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 hold on, 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 hold on. Mm-hmm. You telling me ligers are real? Yes. And they have multiple of them. What? Mm-hmm. What? But that means that no reputable zoo will take any of the things that he breeds because they can't trace bloodlines. They don't have a concrete understanding of the genetic makeup of those tigers. And I understand. I get it. I get that like tigers are endangered and it feels like any increase of tigers is great, Uh huh. but not if you're not paying attention to how they're being bred and who's breeding with what. And those interbreeding, I mean, those tigers that come from interbreeding are not necessarily in the best of health, and there's no way to really know. Yeah. Okay. So I Googled liger because I wanted to see a liger. Um, it just looks kind of like a lion. It just, it honestly, I swear, it, they just look like fat tigers. That's it. Yeah. They just look like slightly bigger boned tigers. But then uh, I scrolled down a little bit, and now I'm seeing pictures of realistic looking uh you know ligers like what they probably really look like on average and um they don't look so good no their no. face is kind of fucked up yeah they're they're a little weird looking um now let's talk about the cubs remember when mm -hmm. i said 10 to 15 cubs um now cubs can't really be handled by people uh, or at least the public, let's say, until they're about six to eight weeks old. They eat meat and solid food by approximately three to four months old. And once they hit about five to six months old, they're too big to handle. They're the size of a large dog at that point. Mm -hmm. They're fully independent adult hunters between 12 to 18 months, which means 
you can really only handle those tiger cubs for a small time frame of about three months. And you have to supply three different animal parks, plus some overseas, plus any additional animal parks that we don't know about. We'll get to that in a sec. Mm-hmm. So 15 isn't near enough tiger cubs. The estimates have gone up to as much as 50, that potentially he breeds 50 tiger cubs a year. But here's the problem. He doesn't raise them after. Like, those tiger cubs grow into tigers. And they're tigers that can't be housed at any reputable zoo. Remember that, and we'll get back to it. Can I can I interject to tell you something? Because I have been listening to you. Of course. But I also have been scrolling through Google and looking at pictures of ligers this entire yeah. time. Do you have uh, a real fun one that you want me to see? Uh, not necessarily that I want you to see it, but I did find uh, a cat that's name is Liger Hercules, who is the Ooh. biggest cat in the world. Oh. Um, it, is, it is. The biggest cat in the world is an 11 foot 922 pound liger it is the biggest wild cat in the world still it holds the 2014 uh record in the guinness book of world records um and it is owned by a man whose name is doc Antle. of course it is <laughs> yeah oh god i think i've actually seen that liger believe it or not yeah it's on video yeah oh man i'm looking at pictures of this dumbass first of all i forgot how stupid he looked like he just looks so dumb and also there's I have just a like... quote from him about how he believes he interacts with women that is really stupid and we'll get to it later but yes oh my god oh yeah. he's so awful whoa wait Liger, the, the animal made famous by Napoleon Dynamite, is actually real. Thanks, yep. article. Mm-hmm. <sighs> They're kind of weird looking. They are. Jesus Christ. God damn, this motherfucker's big. Sorry, I'm listening. I just... This... No, it's all good. God damn. Okay, so he's got a bunch of cubs, more cubs than he can handle. Those tigers have to go somewhere. Now... If they can't go to a zoo, where do they go? Well, there's a couple potential answers. So within the Netflix documentary, it is alleged that Doc was potentially keeping frozen tiger cub corpses in the freezer. No. Now, there is some debate about this. He claims they were stillborn. And in order to fit in a freezer, even a very large freezer, they would have to be very young. So that is possible. However, the team that managed births didn't recall any stillbirths during that time. Some of the employees have alleged that those cubs were potentially killed because of overpopulation or from unmonitored or unregulated births, which brings me to the USDA, which manages the inspection of these parks. They inspect his parks several times a year. And they issue any reports of violations of the Animal Welfare Act. And that could be anything from like an enclosure not being adequate or strong enough or dirty to just broken light fixtures. Like it's everything about the park. Now, there's some uh, accusations from the Humane Society, which often works in tandem with the USDA um, inspectors, but not always, 
uh, they have alleged that USDA inspectors will not perform full inspections and that often they will just ask which animals are there, check off the ones that they're told about, and then leave. So what they have alleged, and PETA has alleged as well, is that Doc Antle is breeding more animals than he's saying he is and trafficking them to other places as inventory and the USDA doesn't know about it. I don't know. I mean, okay, just stay with me here for a second. Mm -hmm. If somebody was going to do that, they would have to be one big hell of a liar. And I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know if the evidence is there, Paige. Oh, I think it I think it really is. Now, here's the thing. He has even admitted to giving cats to unregulated and unaccredited parks, um, including one called Tiger Safari in Oklahoma, which is listed in the case that he is currently in court for. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has basically said like Hey, uh, he said, quote, I've got places that aren't ZAA accredited that have taken some of my animals and they may be controversial, but the habitats, the places they're keeping them, the food and the veterinary care is all high end stuff. And they have years and years of experience. But that's not entirely true, because when the Humane Society did an investigation of the tiger safari in Oklahoma in 2014, they found infant cubs in severe distress when handled by the public. And they found that they use overfeeding and harsh discipline to make larger cubs more lethargic so they're more handleable. Um, but Doc Antle is like, no, it's nice. They don't know what they're talking about. And they have a good veterinarian. Um, so those zoos are suspicious. But Doc's zoo is too. And they actually catch it on video in the Netflix documentary where workers there have claimed that between shows, tigers are kept in very small enclosures where they often pace their feet bloody. And the instruction they received was to hose down the cages more often so guests couldn't see the blood. Now, if you're somebody who has visited tigers and paid money to be there, you may be saying... Well, all of that money goes towards the Rare Species Fund because all of the signage and the information on the website says that their revenue goes towards the Rare Species Fund. Let's talk about that fund. Doc Antle has at least come forward to say that 10% of their annual revenue goes to a nonprofit called the Rare Species Fund. Here's the problem with that. He owns that nonprofit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God damn it. I saw this one coming a mile away. Yes. That nonprofit allegedly supports conservation projects around the world. So in 2013, which was the last time they made a lot of those financial reports public, they reportedly spent $78,370 on, quote, wildlife conservation, end quote. We don't know what that means. We do know that they did contribute $40,000 to the Corbett Foundation, which does work in India, and another $20,000 to a Dr. Jim Sanderson that year. But also remember, they're making millions of dollars. So this is chump change. But also that $78,000, we don't know where it went. So here's part of the problem. It's not exactly clear 
what the RSF, the Rare Species Fund, does or what it's for. Um, none of the former employees that are interviewed in any of the articles or in the documentary seem to recall any of the supposed th philanthropy that occurred during their time where there's a whole big poster where he's like, we've done work here and here and here and here. And they're like, I don't remember that, but I do remember going to those places to deliver tigers to zoos. <laughs> oh my so, God. I think the rare species fund serves to hide some of the income they get from selling animals overseas. Um, but one of the workers in the Netflix documentary talks about them delivering tigers to a zoo in Thailand, but the zoo was not a con conservation zoo. It was not up to the normal zoo standards where they housed animals. And they didn't actually instruct them on any care of the animals other than instructing them on how to handle cubs to take photos with cubs. And they didn't think that they were equipped to handle those cubs once they became full-grown tigers. So, we've got too many cubs. We've got hidden money. Let's talk about the people that work there, which is the cultiest part of this episode. Per Doc Antle's information in that Rolling Stone article, remember, he gave this interview. He willingly told them this shit. All of the Tigers staff members must complete an intensive apprenticeship. Only he determines when this apprenticeship is over. No formal education is required, but they must be single and childless. They cannot take time off for any reason, at least within their first two years. They must be within 20 pounds of their, quote, perfect athletic weight or working to get there. Which, by the way, if you want to pull up a picture of Doc Antle, he passed that milestone a while back. <laughs> Oh, God, you made me laugh so hard I hiccuped. Oh, no. Uh, they must be able to do push-ups, pull-ups, and run a 12-minute mile. Now, some of that is because they are managing large animals, and so yeah. you, you do need to be strong. So some of that makes sense. Wait, hold um, on a second. Did you say a 12-minute mile? 12-minute mile. Mile run. Uh, Yeah, I was going to say, okay. Okay, yeah, I definitely had to run a fucking nine minute mile when I was like in high school 15. Yeah. yeah. And, and even more because we had to do the fucking football shit. I feel like it says here elite is like six minute run. I feel like that doesn't really have shit all to do with the tigers. If you're going to argue like, well, tiger runs fast. You got to run fast too. Homie, you're not going to outrun a tiger. No, baby. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to outrun a tiger with a 12 minute mile. That's for damn sure. Yeah. I think it's more just for cardio. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Also, to be fair, I'm pretty sure a tiger runs like a 20-minute mile or something because, like, they sprint, but they can't do They kind of lollop. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that's one of the things, right, that humans have on other animals is we're, like, marathon runners and most animals are sprinters. Isn't that, mm -hmm. that something? I have no idea. I don't, know. I don't I'm Running is not one of my areas of expertise. I'll give you- I know I'm, that might be surprising. <laughs> No, not at all. I'm, I'm going to be real with you. I'm only 80% paying attention. I'm trying to see if I can get a loan to get a fucking elephant. Think of all fucking the gas I'll save. Oh, my God. Anyway, so. It runs, he, off, of, it runs off of Hawaiian Punch. Off of Hawaiian Punch. punch. Oh, and God. I haven't had Hawaiian Punch I, in years. Every time I make it go fast, I could say, Hawaiian Punch it. And then and then it goes. And probably wouldn't go. go very fast, honestly. 
I don't know. I think this is actually better written as a cartoon script. So, like, maybe that, though. Ooh. Anyway. Oh, Simpsons he, did it. Oh, damn it. Uh... <laughs> They also are required to be vegetarian and they cannot smoke or drink. Uh, he usually has them watch The Devil Wears Prada and Kill Bill Volume 2. No, wait. <laughs> what? Because that's how he believes that his like training methods are. Like That's how ruthless he's going to be to them. Wait, wait, hold on. Wait, The Devil Wears Prada and Kill Bill 2? Yeah, Kill Bill 2, the one where you see more information about Pai Mei. I, yeah, I, t- I, t- I, t- I, 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 What I'm saying is Dog Antle's going to snatch out an eye if you're mean. No, I get that. But it's like, dude, the Devil Wears product. The boss is not the good character. No, that that's not the point. Is He's like, I will be that much of a dick to you. That's how ruthless this is going to be. That wasn't the point of the movie. I know. Well, I mean, this is the dude that can't even get his lies about his own life straight and then tried to make that horrible cub movie. So, like, I I, I, I don't yeah. trust him with movies in general. I know. You, I know he's an idiot. I know this isn't even the thing I should be upset about. But it is it's the he's the kind of guy who watches Fight Club and goes, <laughs> big, big, strong man, be strong. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go fuck yourself, Doc Antle. Yep. Um, now. But above all of that, they have to, quote, commit to Myrtle Beach Safari, not just as a workplace, but as a lifestyle. Oh, my God. They all live on site uh, because they provide them room and board, access to Internet and cable and a stipend. But the stipend is far below minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Um and it is not enough to save up for any kind of way to escape. But that's going to. That's people have trouble leaving. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah, he made the world's first hype house and it's fucking awful. Yeah. And so the longer you're there, the more freedom you get. Um, but your first two years minimum, you don't get to leave. Basically, you're there 24-7. It's not until you've been there for a while that you can ask him permission to leave. And he says, most people don't last. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> like, this sounds terrible. <laughs> um, but they're also required to wear specific styles of costumes, both for tours and appearances at the Renaissance Fair. Because the Renaissance Fair is a very popular recruiting ground for new staff, but also uh, gets the word out about people who might want to get up close and personal with tigers so they they did a ren fair circuit for a long time that is that is pretty i don't want to give them any credit but that is some pretty smart marketing moves but oh no i made myself laugh so hard i got a hiccup oh god so they live in or adjacent to the park and in part they do that to spend as much time with the animals as possible so that the animals trust them and that's kind of his explanation for why they do that now granted there is a way to do that in a way that is still fair and healthy for your workers, but that's not what's happening here. They're required to get permission to leave for any reason. One employee um, who is featured in the documentary, when she began working there, was told that Doc had rated her an eight because he rated all of the girls that came to work there. Another woman was criticized for her weight 
many, many times. Now, she was actually a very tall woman, but they were just going by the numbers. And at one point, she was so malnourished, she was eating like 800 calories a day. She would fall over and black out in the big cat enclosures, which is extremely dangerous. And at that point, she basically said that she was not going to follow Doc's diet anymore. And he called her any number of insults about being, quote, a fat ass. Um, He monitors everyone's diets. He makes recommendations for physical enhancements, the most glaring being recommending and allegedly requiring, according to Tiger King season one, that some of the girls working there get boob jobs. It's not great. And it gets a little bit worse when you hear how he describes it. See, in talking to Rolling Stone, he portrays this as a bunch of young, single, attractive people working together and kind of having a weird, I don't want to say polyamorous because I feel like that's a disservice to people who are actually polyamorous, Um, but there's a pretty sexually free-flowing vibe here. Uh, And he just refers to his staff members as like, my little Italian girlfriend, and these are my other girlfriends, and then they're not, and sometimes they are. Some of his children work at the park. And he actually said, quote, I have been fortunate enough to be a lifelong target of the adoration of the opposite sex. And he says that wearing a wedding band keeps some of the honest women at bay. So that he's, like, not married, but he wears a ring to keep the, like, you know, keep girls off him because he's just like beating him off with a stick i don't know i have said earlier in this episode that i wish i had a time machine so that i could go back in time and fight doc antle mm-hmm. but i realized that i could get a ticket to south carolina you could or myrtle could beach right now where is where is he myrtle beach yeah myrtle Isn't, beach. where is that south carolina at least oh, when i googled ooh, it a few minutes ago it said yeah, south carolina i knew the place yeah hell yeah i say everyone who listens to cult podcast everyone who's interested we can't incite violence no 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 no, no, no. hear me out hear me out hear me out everyone who listens who is interested and capable of fighting we all put in one thousand dollars and then we pool that money together and then we draw names and whoever wins flies out and goes and fights doc antle and we use that pool of money to pay for your legal fees we cannot incite violence no and everything i'm saying is clearly a joke tm wink no i didn't these are our opinions (laughs) i didn't wink at all yeah okay <laughs> it's not that's my favorite it's not audible at all yeah i like that you're doing like a, a huge act out that no one can see yeah, and page, only i page, can hear page. i don't think that anyone should fight physically doc antle great <laughs> let's settle it on that no one should physically fight doc antle Except for Steven Seagal. I'd watch that shit. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I would pay so much money to watch a fight where two men try their hardest to not stand up from a sitting position. Yeah. A, a fight that requires most likely two asthma inhalers. <laughs> yeah, like, there's no way. You're going to fucking <laughs> regret that you ever came here, Doc. I've been studying Aikido for 40 years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, in contrast to the way Doc has described it, 
Most of the women interviewed for the documentary have detailed a culture of constant sexual abuse, food and sleep deprivation, illegal working conditions, financial abuse that makes it incredibly difficult to leave the compound without Doc's express permission and therefore difficult to remove yourself from that job. And he also controls who the employees date in some cases. Suffice it to say, it's not great. It's very cult-like. And in the documentary, he takes a number of pauses to try and derail any conversations that suggest anything about Yogaville or anything about his compound being a cult. Um, or he tries to play it as if, like, it's a cult. It's a good cult. Everyone's here. Everyone loves it. It's not. It's bad. He is currently involved in a number of court cases regarding the mistreatment of animals and illegal sales of animals, but currently nothing about the working conditions at the Myrtle Beach Safari. So I'm hoping that the documentaries bring some light to that. Uh, but in the meantime, maybe just don't go. <laughs> also, it's like $500 to pet a tiger and the tiger's not liking it and, and is hurt and being raised a way a tiger shouldn't be. Yeah. Like, just don't do it. I understand the impulse to want to cuddle a tiger. Don't do it. I just I just love so much that this series and Tiger King and the Doc Antle series has forced an entire generation of white children to look in their scrapbooks and feel bad about a thing they had no idea was happening when they were eight years old on a road trip. I, I have been to a very similar wildcat park on a road trip. Mm -hmm. I, I think mine was maybe a, a better one. I don't know 100%. We couldn't pet anything. Mm -hmm. um, but it was one of the first places where I saw African jungle cats and Joffrey's cats, which are like the direct ancestor to like your house cat. Yeah. And so it's real crazy to see a house cat that's just like full wants, like full murder mode. Yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah, I love when you can. I love a normal cat when you can see it come out in them. You know, like I've seen a yeah. cat kill a mouse. I saw. I talked about it. I think on the show before. I saw a cat kill a mouse when I was high on acid, and that was yeah. a fucking trip, baby. I believe it. Ah, uh, because it murdered something. It was a murderer, Paige. I saw it do a murder, and then it came over and was like, "Hey, you want to pet me?" And I was like, "You're a murderer!" And the cat was like, "Yeah, no, isn't that crazy?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a little fucking cat. No one's gonna believe you, you dipshit. <laughs> I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm so soft. Rub my belly. <laughs> Forget about the murder. I'm sure I've told this story before too, but it just bears repeating for my own sake. Uh, I, when I was a kid, we would anytime we would go on a road trip, we would have to pass through Arizona. Um, and oh it, yes, you told this in Arizona. They got an ostrich farm where you can feed the ostriches. And then uh, every time, 100% of the time, the ostriches will bite you. And then they force you to leave the enclosure and walk through the gift shop where it is just filled with dead ostrich shit. It's like, do you want to eat an ostrich's jerky? Do you want to eat an ostrich egg? Remember how that thing bit you? Now you can eat it in front of it. I've and eaten ostrich. I've, yeah, I have also eaten ostrich, but I'm here to tell you, Paige, that I would pay so much money that if an ostrich bit me, let me go 10 rounds with that fucking ostrich, all right? <laughs> let me fucking get in the cage. I'm, I'm here to tell you that ostrich is going to win. Oh, yeah. Ostrich will murder you. That ostrich is the Blaine Gibson of this death match. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the ostrich, uh, basically, ostrich is an American kangaroo, baby. That thing yeah. fucks people <laughs> up, dude. 
But do you know who I would love to see fight an ostrich? Blaine Gibson? Steven Seagal. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I would love to see Steven Seagal just get fucking roasted by a goddamn (laughs) bird. I mean, you've heard the story. This came up in in one of the, the Facebook groups. I think it was the Horror Virgin where he challenged another martial artist to a fight and the guy put him in a, like a chokehold so long that he shat his pants and passed out. <laughs> no, I did not hear this. Please send me that article. I'll find it. I'll send it your way. <laughs> oh my God. Hey, hey everybody. This episode was brought to you by the wonderful folks over at the MSS. F D A charity. That's right. We are brought to you this week by the Make Steven Seagal Fight Doc Antle Fund. If you pay enough money, I'm sure that I can get Steven Seagal to go over to South Carolina and just fucking rip open Doc Antle. So yeah, just uh that if you'd like to donate, it is my personal Venmo. <laughs> um yeah, anyway. I'm just picturing a lot of bruises in the shape of Birkenstocks. <laughs> uh, I know it's for the bit, but Steven Seagal would just get fucking annihilated by Doc Antle, and I would be so oh, upset about it. I think it will just devolve into an old man slap fight. God, I want to watch Ponytails it. are going to get pulled. Feelings are going to be hurt. And yeah. I'm going to be okay with it because they're both not great people. I'm also here to tell you I've done a lot of thinking and growing this episode. And I take back my idea that I could go back into time and become king because I realize that, like, I'm fucked. If I get sent back into time and I don't have a phone on hand, I'm so fucked, Paige. I have no idea how to do anything. I couldn't even do anything cool. You could send me back in time and and, and I could be like, oh, I have this great idea for a movie. It's called The Shining. And they'll be like, okay, describe it. Give me a pitch. And I'll be like, uh, so, uh, so, uh, so, uh, so there's this guy and, um, a maze. Damn it. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, oh, we no play. And then I would get kicked out immediately. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't recreate disco. I'd be so fucked, Paige. Oh, God. <laughs> also, disco. I Googled it, and apparently people were not smaller in the past. Apparently, that was just a lie. It uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, apparently, what I have heard, because if I remember correctly, uh, the lovely Charlotte was telling us about this the last time we were at the Rooster Teeth offices that she had just listened to a podcast about this is that it's not so much that people were smaller in general. It's that people in places affected by plague and other things are generally smaller because they had a smaller pool of people to breed with and your bigger people were like out fighting and there's like actual reasons for like why that data is skewed. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I get sent back in time. They're going to make me fight in a war page and I can't fight. I was going to say I'm a lover, not a fighter, but I'm neither. I'm just a fat, lazy oaf. I'm Steven Seagal. Oh, no. no! (laughs) You need to start studying Aikido right now. (laughs) You fucking come to me on the day of my daughter's MMA match. It's basically Marlon Brando. Anyway, okay. Point is, we've got a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast. Check out all the tiers and rewards that we have there. Um, also, shouts out to Rooster Teeth. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Hey, if you want to listen. Yeah. <laughs> I 
I forgot about the fucking peacock. Uh, if you want to listen to the show somewhere new, go to Rooster Teeth, download the app, or just go to their website and find all of the wonderful, amazing content that we have there. We've got some really fun stuff coming to the thing, but also Colt Podcast is there, and that is worth its weight in Liger, which they are apparently very fucking <laughs> very big, heavy. by the way. It's a lot of weight. It's like, it's like almost <laughs> a thousand pounds, dude. It's fucking crazy. Um, yeah, but go ahead and check out Rooster Teeth. Also, if you're a fan of Fun House, Fun House podcast has a live show on March 12th in Los Angeles, California at the Globe Theater. Tickets are on sale now and we're being... Our opener is uh, Idiots and Abroad. That's right. It's Jacob Fullerton. It's Alana Pierce. It's Rahul Kohli. It's John Smith, who we call the White Armando. So, uh, yeah. go. He also calls me Brown John, which I like very much. Um, go ahead. Rahul and, uh, Kohli's going to be there? Now yeah. I'm bummed. Now I'm bummed that I'm not there. <laughs> Fuck. You're doing something exceptionally cool, Paige. <laughs> And when you get to announce it, everyone will know that your thing is the better thing. Shut up. <laughs> you shut your fucking mouth. Oh, oh, Rahul Kohli is going to be there? Fuck you. I think he's very attractive. Whatever. Oh, he's so attractive. <laughs> I also, I love, I, I don't know. I love talking to him because he like, everything in his accent sounds so like, how would I put it? Maybe poetic or just like very like, uh. Very like smart, you know, because it's got that British accent. And that's what Amer- us dumbass Americans equated to. So I'll be like, you know what I was thinking about today, bruv? And I'll be like, what? And he goes, sometimes when I take a shit, my pee pee touches the water. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, yeah, I forgot. You're just one of us. Cool. <laughs> yeah, my favorite was a, a few, like a month and some change back. He just tweeted, non-fungible this dick. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody was like, fuck you. And he was like, non-fungible these nuts. And I was like, kindred spirits. My, <laughs> this is great. My favorite interaction with him is we, we were we were, uh, we were hanging out. Not just him and I, by the way. It was like a group of us. We were hanging out. We were at a restaurant. <laughs> we were eating breakfast. And we were having that actual conversation about like, he goes, uh, I always, I always sit down when I pee. I always got to sit down because sometimes, you know, you got to take a shit and then the pee comes out. And I went, yeah, I don't do that. And he goes, what do you mean? And I go, well, yeah, every time I have to pee, I stand up to pee because it's more comfortable for me to stand up when I pee. And he goes, you've never peed sitting down. And I go, yeah, I mean, I do sometimes, but you know, sometimes you don't, you don't want your, you know you don't want your stuff to fall in the water and it's like weird and you know it's 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 uncomfortable and he paused for a second and he went you're telling me your cock big enough to touch the water <laughs> i don't believe you show us your cock show us your cock and he started yelling show us your cock in, a, in this goddamn in a restaurant. restaurant yeah <laughs> i don't believe you show us your cock anyway it's just your giant balls that are the reason that you died on tiktok <laughs> That's why TikTok knows that you're dead. Because uh, you're giant balls. Rahul, I, I hope you appreciate that. <laughs> you fucking bastard. Um, There's yeah. no way he listens to this. Oh, He's absolutely He's way not. too busy. You don't know that. He spends all his time building fucking Gundams and listening to nerd shit. Uh, <laughs> That's anyway. true. He's been painting minifigs on Twitter. He's doing great. Rahul's going to be there. He's a great guy. Come check us out. Also, everyone else that's going to be there. Um, is super great too that's march 12th go over to the fun house social media you can look up at fun house team 
on most places and uh, find information for how to buy tickets. Okay, what else? <gasps> I have hiccups. Oh, no. Show us your cock. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, if you want to find me on social media, you can. I'm at Mondo Does Stuff. M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff. I also uh, have a Twitch that is twitch.tv slash Mondo Does Stuff. Um, come find me. I haven't been streaming lately because the last few weeks have been the busiest of my life. Go fucking figure that uh, being a showrunner on two things and also running for mayor of Los Angeles would be conflicting. Fuck parking enforcement. Fuck parking enforcement. Also, I'm running for mayor now. If you want more information, go to my social media. Follow at mondo for mayor uh, on Twitter. Yeah, just Twitter um yeah more information will come on that soon just be patient i love you goodbye and good night here's what i'm gonna say to all of you if we pooled our money and if we all put in like a thousand dollars we could have steven seagal fight parking enforcement oh my god yes (laughs) fuck parking enforcement uh hey it's your girl Paige. i'm here every week getting them parking tickets running up that tab uh I will be in San Diego March 4th uh, at uh, Duckfoot Brewery if you want tickets to that. And I may be adding additional dates on the 5th. Keep an eye on my social media if you want to attend either of those. Thank you to everybody that came out to Santa Cruz on the 18th. Then March 12th through 14th, I'll be in Austin, Texas doing something super cool that I can't talk about. I'm sorry. I wish I could. Uh, but they like locked me in a room and are like, if you fucking tell people you're going to die and like, <laughs> everyone's going to find out about the aliens, <laughs> you're going to get some weird rash. It's just bad all around. So as soon as I can tell you, I will, and I'll post on social media and a bunch of stuff. If you want to hear more of my voice, you get to listen to me on horror virgin, romancing the pod, black card rehab, and this and any number of other things I post on social media when I guest on stuff. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can do so on Twitter at Paige Wesley, on Instagram at Rampage Wesley, and on TikTok at Rampage Wesley. Uh, Instagram is probably the best place for show dates and whatnot. I uh, love you all. Thank you. Bye. And hey, if you want to follow the show on Instagram, you can by going to at Colt Podcast. Or at Colt Podcast Show on Twitter. You can also send us an email to Colt Podcast Show at gmail.com. Or if you are Rahul Coley mm-hmm. and you want to send us your Gundams, <laughs> you could send, or if you're not, because this is a very specific request. If you uh, have fought an ostrich and you have it on tape, I need you to send that to us at 3756 West Avenue 40, Sweet K number 237 like, like the, the shining. shining los angeles california 90065 did i tell you the first thing that i ever said to rahul no i didn't even know you guys have been hanging out and i feel like you like you need to <laughs> let a girl in on this shit i'm sorry i thought i had mentioned it one of the first you things that i ever said is we went to we went to a, a concert uh one of my coworkers uh, uh partners they play in a uh, a band and they were playing at the viper room and uh he came out to support and um charlotte turned to me and went that's rahul he was on i zombie 
but I was yes. drunk and it was loud. So what I heard was that's Rahul. He was in an iPhone commercial recently. Oh. And so we went outside and we he was smoking a cigarette and I was uh hitting a vape and he goes uh uh he goes i like that your impression of him is jason statham adjacent that's all i know how to do that's the only british voice that i can do everything else is midwestern or australian and he goes uh how you doing bruv and i go ah good i heard you were in an iphone commercial recently hey man that's really awesome big things coming your way (laughs) (laughs) and he's like yeah i was also in midnight mass and i'm gonna be in fall of the house of usher like i've got shit going on dude yeah i told him that four sentences before he told me that he was in midnight mass uh this was like before they were promoting it and everything Mm. (laughs) and then he told me (laughs) he was in the fucking the what is it the the bly manor or whatever the the other yeah haunting uh, of bly manor yeah oh my god i'm such a fucking idiot page well this is also like the time that you met henry zabrowski (laughs) Yeah, and he he goes, I go, I'm such a big fan. And he goes, oh, wow, what's your name? And I go, I'm Armando. And he goes, Henry, nice to meet you. And I went, yeah, I know. And then I walked away and spilled a whiskey Coke on the floor. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. They should never give me a mouth. Okay, thanks, everybody. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's going to be it for us this week. I'm going to say don't drink that much hawaiian punch it's not good for you especially if you're an elephant yeah and don't drink the kool-aid bye, bye.